it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the Giant Con Report wherever you get your podcast. You can watch it on YouTube, like button, subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media, A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated. As you can see, I'm going to be joined in one minute by the voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein. Don't forget, we're back to Therapy Tuesday. So 7.30 p.m. Tuesday, live YouTube stream. Join us there. Bring your rants. Bring your questions. Lots of questions to look at after this game and going forward about the team, about sale, whatever you want to know. I'll give you some answers, and Bram will chime in wherever he can, as you know. So today we're here to talk about a crushing loss to the Vikings 2017. Bram, they had this one. Yeah. This is a crusher because this would have been a big, big win for them. Yeah, uh, it's a tough turn of events, tough loss. The interception that kind of flipped it in the fourth quarter was a really bad turnover. The penalty on that chip shot field goal is obviously a killer and negated any chance of them pulling off a comeback. So it's a tough one. I mean, but, you know, they're living, they've been living on the edge for a month now. And, um, you know, they easily could have lost in Indianapolis last week, lost in Chicago. And, um, you know, they, they got to figure out a way to put more points on the board, frankly. And I thought this was the week that they would. And um, unfortunately, they didn't. Why do you think that they didn't? I'm surprised they couldn't run the ball very effectively today. And that's concerning to me because obviously, I think we I think we both probably agree that, in, in my opinion at least, I don't think there's a group that they can put out there this year that's going to be a really good pass protection group right. that they can move things around and you know, it might be time to go back to Cosme, honestly, at right tackle if he's healthy enough to do it. And then um, they're gonna have to look at right guard again. And but they're they're just mixing and matching personnel. And and I just don't, you know, I don't feel like that they have a group that is gonna come out and be great. You know, so they're consistently gonna have protection issues, which leads you to believe like they need to run the ball pretty well. And they haven't done it in a few weeks running now. And I was a little more surprised today than I was in the previous couple of weeks that they couldn't do it. Minnesota, in, they have defended the run better lately. So I thought it might be harder than I thought at the end of the week. I thought it was going to be harder for them to run the ball than I thought going into the week. But I thought they would be able to move the ball better and score at least a few more points. That was disappointing. I think Minnesota did a good job containing Heineke in the pocket and preventing him from getting outside, making plays with his legs. We didn't see him really be able to extend many plays, and that's to their credit. And he tried to duck out and get do some of his Houdini stuff, and it just didn't work. And then, you know, it's funny, Bram, because I know whenever he, whenever they lose a game like this, it's going to, you know, you're going to look at Heineke and say one thing. They win a game like last week, you're going to look at it and say another. It's always like this wild pendulum swing with him and referendums on who he is and where he's at in his career. But, you know, and this was. I don't want to make this all about him because you're right. The run game to me is a bigger issue because you can't get that going 
that's a bigger issue right now than who's playing quarterback. But for Heineke, let's go to him first. What did you think of his game? Uh, worst of the three, um, opinion. Uh, the interception was really bad throw. Um, they ran a trick play that should have ended up in a John Bates touchdown or a first and goal in the five. And he just literally missed it. I don't know where that ball was going. Yeah, it wasn't even close. Uh, he had a really bad throw to wide open Logan Thomas on a play that would have extended a drive. And that throw to Curtis Samuel, like, <laughs> why in the world he would throw that there? He's just very lucky, you know, okay. that that ended up, you know, it's one thing the week before where he throws it up to McLaurin and it's a one-on-one play, you know, to give him a shot to make a play. It's another thing when you throw it into triple coverage and you get lucky that a referee picks one of the players and the other two guys, for some reason, don't go after the ball. You know, like, and I don't want to take anything away from Curtis Samuel. That's an unbelievable play that he made. But that that ball should have never been thrown there, obviously. So this was, um, and he was, you know, inaccurate is an understatement in the first half. So this was, in my opinion, worst of his three games and and not even close, actually. Absolutely. And on the interception, the problem there, there were two problems. One, he's got to look, it's the pivot route to, um, I think it was Dax Mill underneath. It's there for five or six yards. That was his first read. It was there. And it wasn't going to pick up a first down unless a guy, unless he makes a guy miss, then he gets 15 yards. But short of that, let's say he gets tackled five or six yards. Now it's third down and five or so. But he looked off him because he felt like the cor- a corner on that side was going to play differently than he did. So he got off that. He should have stayed there. That was the first one. And then the one then going to to Thomas, Thomas was open. It's just that it's a harder throw. And the hard part in there. This is where this is where some of the restrictions show up for him. He couldn't step into that throw, and he's got a guy coming back, being pushed back into him. So you've got to throw over the top, and then you got to throw over the top of a linebacker who's in front of Thomas, and now it's sale. And and that was just a very tough play. And you know, you make the right read, you go to the first guy, and it's third down and five, and you're still moving the ball. And he just, I think he got a little bit greedy, and it cost him. And the inaccuracy cost him. Listen, on the fourth and one, he puts it behind McLaurin. If you lead him, if you get him and he put on the inside shoulder, he put on the outside shoulder, it's a prob- probably a first down. I wasn't crazy about the play call. I'll get your opinion in a minute. But I also, go- going back to the run, I think if, and first of all, it's less than a yard. It's like a third of a yard. But even on that play, I went back and watched it, Bram, and like that whole side of the line gets pushed back on the play. So if they had run the ball to that side, it's probably a one-yard loss. But anyway, curious you're curious if anything to say to that one. To, it's about any of that. I didn't love the fourth and one call. Um, obviously, in hindsight, it doesn't look good because, you know, it's an incomplete pass. But fourth and a half a yard, I don't know. Like, a lot of teams are doing this, like, push the quarterback forward thing on a sneak. Right. Um, you know, you don't think you can get a half yard with Brian Robinson, you know, with arm blocking in front of in front of him, like so. You know that that calls certainly you know worth looking Great. at. Um, I you know I don't I don't think it made or broke the game, but it, I I didn't particularly like that one. Um, listen, the challenge flag on third and one came back to bite him pretty hard. Yeah, one because clearly they were wrong, but two, you do have to question on third and one at that juncture of the game do you challenge it, you know, just at all, especially right. if it's that close, because, you know, you put yourself at a disadvantage if you, if it fails. Um, 
So there's some, you know, listen, there's like, you know, it's an everybody thing, like special teams today. Gibson had a great return, but Percy Butler misses uh, a down punt at the two yard line. Obviously, the penalty at the end of the game is devastating. You know, I haven't seen a replay of it, so I don't know if it's the right call or it not. Did. I think it was the right call. Just devastating, devastating play that ruined any chance of coming back. So this was the second time this year that the special teams had a few things that were kind of left to be desired. Trustway was very good again. Um, you know, and Gibson did give them the spark they've been looking for clearly on kickoff returns. But, um, you know, there were a couple plays there that I'm sure they would love to have back to. Listen, and you didn't even mention the first one, which was the wild goose penalty. They have the ball at the 45. His holding, it was holding right. penalty, and that knocks him back to their own 35. So yep, that was a 20 yard penalty on that one. There was a 17 yard penalty on the not downed punt inside the five, right. and they had a you can't commit that type of foul at that time of game at the end of the at the and end also, of the game that ruined their chance of having any shot at a comeback. And Trustway has been fantastic this year. Yep. His worst punt of the day was the last one. It was 44 yards, not a lot of hang, not as much hang time as usual. I'm going to give him a going to give him a pass on that because he's been phenomenal. He should have had four down inside the 20 today if if they hadn't messed the one up. So, but that was just it. Just so happened that his. Of the five punts, the worst one of that group was last. Yeah. It wasn't a disastrous punt, but it certainly was one where he is – you're used to him bailing him out even more than he had, did there. So they th those little details kill you in games like this. And it's funny because you go back to the three-game winning streak, you can extend this back to Tennessee because I know that game still haunts them internally. Like, Or maybe haunt may be the, the, a strong word, but like they still look at that game as one that – how did you, it's almost like the New Orleans game last year. You shouldn't have lost that one. And then I think this one, they're going to be haunted by that too, because it's another game. But again, you know, you're fortunate to that the bears couldn't punch it in from one yard. Right. And you're fortunate that the Colts, you know, what happened at the end of the game there. So, but man, Bram, it's just those little things in these games add up to a ton. They're living on the edge. I mean, you know, like, and, and there are going to be plenty of times that this just doesn't go their way. You know, like if, if every game is going to come down to, you know, a field goal, then, you know, there's no margin for error. So all these things then like become these like big, huge moments. And it doesn't feel like they're capable of overcoming many of them. You it's know, like, like they're just, they're stuck in these games. And, you know, I think the hard part for me with that is, like I do look at their skill position people and whether it's Heineke or Wentz playing quarterback, um, I, I do think it's like we're getting to the point now where we need to expect them to score more points. Like, well, I think Jahan Dotson coming back should help. Yeah. I don't know how much, but it will help. But on you know, on any given play, um Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, Antonio Gibson, and then I would say a pretty good third receiving option and like cam sims is on the field like i i think you know even without Jahan dotson like i, I just think we, this was the week i thought they were going to score more points because this was in my opinion while they might have been playing better um the worst defense that they played in a while really and i thought that the, i thought they had opportunities here and i i felt like coming in if if dotson had played i don't know how minnesota was going to cover our receivers but like because heineke had no time this team rushes three or four and they're getting home so much like the pressure rate is so high. Like I'll, I'll be interested to see the grades on it, but the pressure rate is high. And it's funny the last couple of weeks, the pressure rate for green Bay and Indianapolis 
was as high or higher than anything that had happened earlier in the season. It's just that Heineke is a little more mobile and was avoiding some of the sacks. And, you know, he was making some crazy plays to kind of keep him alive. Still in the end, them scoring 20 points is like beyond a struggle. So if they're, if this is what they're going to average, you know, 17 points a game, how many games are they ultimately going to win? I mean, you're just asking too much of your defense, really. Not enough. Their defense played great. I mean, they played very well. And yes. Yeah. Played very well. Yeah. And in fairness too, like, you know, I think this was the best offense that they've played maybe since Philadelphia, like they played Dallas, but it was Cooper rush, you know, Tennessee's offense doesn't scare you. The Colts offense doesn't scare you. The bears one was odd. And I actually think they're probably better now than they were when we faced them. Cause they're actually running Justin Fields. I don't know why they weren't doing it at the time, but they weren't green Bay's offense clearly is messed up. I don't know why, but it is, this is the best offense they faced in weeks. At least they the one that had really most good. propensity to have explosive plays. Like that's a, that's the best receiver they have faced since, C.D. Lamb or or uh, A.J. Brown, um, you know, with a legitimate run game. That Hawkinson trade, boy, everybody oh, no. in the NFC ought to that, be pissed. That, one, that trade may have won this game. Oh, like, why the – not this matters for this podcast, but, like, that may end up being the most important trade in the NFC this year. Like, the fact that they gave them him, like, makes no sense. The division rival, it made them so much better than they already are. Like, Nine for seven, and, and here they are running away with a division. They're going to play at least one home game in the playoffs. Like the Lions did nobody any favors by by doing that. Nine for seventy today for him. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's the other one, Dalvin Cook, 17 carries, 47 yards. They really did a nice job in him. And yep. one of the keys going in this was put them in position where you have to go third and long so you can get some pressure on Cousins. When they could get pressure on Cousins, he did not play well. He did not throw well. I mean, his game was 22 for 40, 265 because of a couple of big plays. But, you know, the defense did its job for the most part. I mean, I you know, and the – and That's listen, the lowest I, amount of points they've scored during their win streak. Yeah, no, they did it, and and it was set up in part by the the one was set up by the interception. So, yeah, no, no, the defense played really well. I mean, Hawkinson had pretty good numbers. Jefferson had really good numbers. Um, okay, I mean that's that, and that's to the point of this is the best offense that this team has faced in a while. Justin like, Jefferson's a pretty good receiver. Justin Jefferson's awesome. So, um, I feel bad for Benjamin St. Juice. I don't know if robbed is the right word for that play, but you know, that was, that was tight call. And I, I see why they made it, but yeah. like, you know, it was tight call. They were jostling with one another. It was pretty tight call. Um, you know, and outside of that first drive, I thought St. Juice really held up very well against a very, very good receiver. Maybe the 
one of the best, if not the best in the NFL. Really, really, really good one. So that's an explosive. They have a propensity to be an explosive offense. So I thought the defense played really well. It was the best offense, in my opinion, they've faced since Philadelphia. And they held them to 20 points. Well, that's got to be enough to win. And it wasn't. Like, I walked in going, 17 isn't going to cut it this week. You're not going to be able to win that way. You've got to score 24 to 28. I'll feel safe with 28. They came nowhere near that. And here they are on the wrong side of a game where we're going, well, they could have won it. Yeah, they could have, but it was unrealistic to think you were going to hold that team to 17 or 16 points and win. It's just unrealistic. And you knew they're going to make some sort of a fourth quarter run because that's what they do. Um, it's funny, you, you know, because you, you talk about St. Jude's two things on that. The interception or the the penalty, his mistake was getting his – he basically kind of wrapped his left arm. As Jefferson's coming, he gets his left arm up too high. Yeah. And that's and that was – that's where they call it. So if you're going to do that, they're going to they're going to call that. Whether somebody thinks it's ticky tack or not, they're going to call it. The what I really and I know he got beat for the one long one too. That's a really good receiver. So yeah. what I like about St. Juice is on some of the plays he did make. For example, the one breakup in the end zone. He has a plan for how he plays and why. So for example, on that one, he's like, I'm going to give him the outside. I want to take the inside away with the leverage. I'll give him the outside because I'm six foot three and I have the length. I can make up that ground, which is exactly what he did. I think he's a smart young man. And so I think he's going to keep developing as a good corner. Um, So I think that's a good thing. But the other thing with today is that defensive line continues to play really well. And for people who want hope, it comes there. And you get Chase Young back probably almost assuredly this week, but we'll see. And I think that's where you have hope that they actually have something building. The problem is, like, where can this – I mean, do you feel like this offense will get better? I, hmm. I keep waiting for it. I actually thought it was going to be this week. Like, I, I loved – this is why I was like, if Dotson plays, I love us on offense against these guys. They can't cover us. Like, but because he didn't, okay, well, you got to find your way around it. Um, I don't think nearly enough downfield passing plays occurred against a team that doesn't cover particularly well. Um, and so that was disappointing, but a lot of that has to do with Minnesota could bring four and get pressure. And if this is going to consistently be this way, and that's where I think we are, we've got to cobble something together to try to just get by. Um, it's going to be difficult. Like a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about it and I'm like, Regardless of how this thing goes, like it's going to be very hard to go back to Wentz because they can't protect and he can't move very well. Um, so unless they can figure out some kind of, you know, hack to protect a little bit better, um, I think it's going to be very difficult for either one of these quarterbacks to summon up any kind of consistency on offense. Um, but I am today was the first day where I'm a little like 17 doesn't cut it. The offense has to do better than this. Um, it's one thing that's like, I'll be fair against like Heineken played all year and it's new and everything. And Green Bay's defense is legitimately a top 10 defense and they have legitimate corners on that team. And Indianapolis has a very, very good defense. And so I was okay with, they didn't score a lot of points. This week was the week at home where you're playing a weaker defense that you've got to do better than this. And if this is all they can typically muster week to week, well, they're not going to beat the seven and one teams. Like (laughs) the reason why they're seven and one, like, you can't let them off the hook like that. Like you've got to make them beat you. And if you're going to only post 17 at home against them, well, then you got what you deserved, really. 
Yeah, and um, the other thing that's disappointing, I'm looking at this, De'Ami Brown gets some snaps, one target, no catches. And the the inability to get any sort of production out of that guy, you know, and I know there were some injuries, and the, but he's had a couple catches this year, and that's it. And that's really it in two years. I mean, there's that's part of the problem. When you have a guy like um, Dotson go out, you need a guy like Brown to step up more. Uh, Cam Sims I've always liked, um, but they need they need more. They need they could have used more from a guy like Brown today. You know, Logan Thomas. I'm looking at it. Three targets, no catches. Yeah, he has. I mean, well, he ever, missed him badly twice. I'm badly yeah. missed him yeah. twice. Like what? Like one Thomas laid out to try to catch, and the other one oh, went over his head. Was an too. interception. I mean, like Heineke was really off today. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, what this team got good at the middle of last year when they had struggles, kind of moving the ball through the air was they could run the ball really well. They kind of became a power right. run team. They haven't done that in three, four weeks, like not consistently. Last week, Brian Robinson had lowest amount of carries, lowest amount of yards. Um, the two leading rushers last week were Heineke and Curtis Samuel. You know, the combined rushes by Gibson and Robinson amounted to less than 40 yards. Like this week, I'm sure the numbers aren't particularly great for the two of them. Biggest run of the day was probably Armani Rogers on an end around. Yep. You know, like they... They're they need magic tricks to make big plays. And, um, you know, that's the part that's kind of hard with this, because I do look at their skill position people and I go, I think we can do better than this. Like they're not limited. Oh, they absolutely they're, can do better. They're not limited there. So and I'm looking at the run and I looked at the run. So I'm like, oh, my God, they rushed for 137 yards. And I, and I, I, mean, I don't even, then I look at it. And say, oh, yeah. Twenty four in the end around 16 by Samuel on the one up the middle. So yeah. 40 yards by tight end and a receiver yeah well what's the number for robinson and gibson which would be traditional runs. combined 24 for 80 yeah that's not good <laughs> that's not good that's that's a three yards a carry that's not good like, no. like that's not good enough so again they're not running the ball in my opinion effectively enough why i don't know i need to probably rewatch. but today was the day i expected more out of the offense just in general and they weren't able to produce it. And I do think it starts with the run. And then secondarily, Heineke had a bad game. He was off. Yeah. He was really off and, today. And like I said, it, every game is it becomes a referendum on, you know, is he, oh, he's the guy. And then the next week he's like, oh, you got to get rid of him. Obviously, you don't say that about, you know, nobody's going to go that far, I would think. But it does seem to be the referendum game again for him. Like, you know what I mean? And then, so – are you at any different point with him or you say, you know what, it's no. just a bad game by him and let's see what happens next week. Yeah. I think next week's next week is um, I was driving home and I heard Fred Smoot on the post game show basically say, this is a career maker or breaker for him. Like if he goes up there on Monday night football and beats an undefeated team and he does, and he plays really well and you know, in that, and it's not just the defense that does it. Well, it's going to be very hard for Ron Rivera to take the ball out of his hands. Um, if they go will. up there and the offense, can't do anything and they lose um, and they fall to four and six Rivera, assuming Wentz is available the following week is going to have a very interesting decision to make, you know, against one of the weakest teams in the NFL will be their next opponent. So that's going to be a very interesting decision to make. So this is a big week for Heineke, but every quarterback has bad games and yes. I don't think you can just toss people aside, but his was not good you know. today. His was, his was, not was not, I mean, obviously you all know, listen to this show. I'm one of the guy's biggest proponents. I really like him. I like how he galvanizes the locker room. I like how people play for him. I like his moxie. I like his feel for the game. I see the limitations like anybody else, but like, I just like that about him. Um, today, he was his own worst enemy at times. He made some really bad decisions 
and he made some throws that I'm sure he wants back because some of them weren't even the interception. The other one to Thomas that cr- the missed Bates was like inexplicably bad. I mean, they ran a perfect trick play. He has Bates streaking down the sideline and he threw it five yards over his head out of bounds. I mean, like it wasn't even close. Yeah, and, and his accuracy at times can be definitely off or maybe the ball's not getting there. You see receivers sometimes slowing down to catch the ball. But that's been true in the past when he's had good games too. Like that happened last week and you end up having a, a really strong second half, et cetera. So the other, the other um, you're right though. I think that's a good way to put this game for him against Philly is a, it's a rough, it's going to be a game that could def- not going to define his career, but it's certainly one that if he, if they win that game, Bram, I think they would, I would, I'm a, I would bet that they stick with him because you can't yeah. get away from him. You can't at that point, if you go up there and beat Philly on a Monday night, you deserve to keep starting. And, and well, yeah, I, just, I, I think, you know, there, you know, he has an opportunity here to make a case that they should stick with him. And then at that point, you know, it'll be up to him to try to lead them to the playoffs. If he does that, his career changes, yeah. um, you know, and I'm not trying to put all of that on him, but like the reality is they went and acquired this other quarterback. I don't get the sense from them that they're backing off. At least, and I know a lot of us are talking and writing about like, well, what's going to happen if he keeps winning and are they just going to move on? And maybe they can restructure their cap and all these things that like are all conjecture in week nine, you know, like let's see how the second half of the season plays out. But on the other side of it is like, I haven't heard Ron Rivera for a second insinuate. This is Heineke's team or we're, you know, we're definitively going this way. He's totally been like, Let's see when we get there. This quarterback's not available. We don't not believe in Carson Wentz. So, you know, like this is a big game for Heineke to make a point to the coaches that it's a bad idea to pull him out and it's going to be on him. So there's a lot of pressure on him. But, you know, welcome to the NFL. He's been trying. He's been waiting for moments like this. He's got one this weekend to prove that he needs to be the quarterback moving forward. And, and to be clear, like Wentz, Wentz is progressing. We saw him work out before the game today throwing a bunch of passes, just kind of put us through a workout, occasionally kind of shaking his hand a little bit, you know, the right ring fingers, what he broke. And I think the other thing to, it's important to note with Wentz that even, and I don't know that you're doing this, even for when I look at it, like who's better for this team, depending on what happens, it's not really about that. Uh, that I never thought it was all Wentz's fault by any means. No. I just think that they did a poor job constructing that line to protect a guy who needed protection. And he's, to operate at max efficiency, that guy needed more protection. And, you know, Heineke needs more, but he can get away from it at times. When he doesn't, today's the result. It looks ugly. And that that's what happens. Now, the other thing with that, Bram, too, Cosme's got to need to get that guy back. Cornelius Lucas had a tough day. Here's the other guy that, to me, is a wild card a little bit in all this. Maybe one to watch in the last half of the season at some point is I wonder where Chris Paul, like, he's – He's doing a – my understanding is that he's been done a nice job in practice. I don't know that he's there yet, from my understanding, but like he's done a nice job getting better, and defensive players have gone to some of the some of the coaches and said, guy's got some heavy hands, and that's a compliment from a defensive player, right? So just one to watch. Like maybe down – maybe in the last month of the season, a guy like that starts to emerge like, okay, he's ready put him in maybe that helps run game because he's a strong man he is strong now i don't know if that would improve protection and i think these guys are going to stick with veterans right now because they're what you know but i'm just saying like maybe that's a guy that 
down the road this year is one that you say, oh, maybe he's someone you can use in the future. Maybe he's a building a piece to add for the future. I don't know. But I do think he's going to be one to watch at some point, I think, this season. And it's, yep. you know, that's. We'll have to see. Yeah, yeah I mean. I don't know if he's going to save the season, but like maybe you have a young guy at guard you can develop. You say, okay, maybe that position could be filled in the future. I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, I just know. like that's, the reality to me is like. That might be I, I saw this coming. Like it just, you know, one, there's some age. Then unfortunately you have some injuries. Chase Roulier gets hurt again. You know, like Cosme got hurt. Cosme like, hurt. So, you know, but that stuff happens. And, you know, they, they kept touting depth. But, like, I didn't see the frontline starters. I was concerned. Right. And, you know, by the middle of the camp, when everybody was getting hurt and Trey Turner wasn't practicing and Norwell wasn't practicing, I think it was just the flag was so red and so high to, like, maybe you got to go do something about this. And they stuck with it and they trusted their instincts on it. And it's probably, if they're going to be honest about, you know, you know, this the whole season, they'll probably look back and probably regret some of the decisions they made. Oh, absolutely. There. They should. Not that it's they like... Don't. I don't blame them, you know, like, I know we go over this every time, but it's like, I don't blame them for Sheriff. For some reason, he didn't want their money. Right. I don't know why. They tried to pay him. I mean, they, they tried. For some reason, he didn't take it. Um, with Flowers, I don't know exactly what happened. He also isn't playing with anybody else. But what ended up happening with both of them gone, the replacement isn't adequate enough. It's not right. to the level that you need. And, you know, so, and I think that they um, trusted a couple of players that they have great relationships with, a little too much mileage on their bodies. And like even in same thing with Cornelius Lucas, who I think is a absolutely terrific backle. I think you're yeah, seeing why he's an absolutely terrific backup tackle because here we are, you know, three, four games into him having to start. And this is two weeks in a row that he has struggled pretty hard. And to be fair to him, blocking Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith is a very difficult task, but it's not good enough right now. Right. So they're gonna have to make some choices. Right. And and I agree with you. Like again, roster construction hurt hurt the team and hurt Carson Wentz and it's hurting Heineke. So I think that's a big problem. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Bram, I, I do want to close it out. Like, this has been a crazy, crazy week because the announcement of the possible sale, we've talked about that on the podcast. But also, then you have Ron Rivera's mom dying. This was a very tough week for him. And yeah. you, know, you could see it at the podium after the press conference how it affected him. And, and it didn't come up today because it's some things aren't always important to come up, but you could just tell the toll it took on him. And then the news about Coy Gibbs um, passing away, Joe Gibbs' son, Coy, passing away. And Ron, after the post game, came up and just said he wanted to send his condolences. And it was hard for him to say, get through it. And it was hard for him to answer some questions early on. 
So I just can't imagine having to coach in a, in a week like that when you lost somebody that dear to you. And then for, for the Gibbs family, it's just crushing and, and getting to know that family over, you know, a little bit when he, when Joe was here and how important his kids were to him. He's lost his two boys, man. That just, I yeah. just, it, it just, it makes you choke up when you, when you think about it. And obviously there are things that are more important than all of this. This is a game and we talk about it. It's fun. It's our jobs, but man, that's just, I just can't imagine the pain that the Gibbs family is going through. And I know with Ron, with his mom, what, you know, that's, a tough thing as well. So just, you know, an emotional week and, you know, prayers are out to uh, for both families. Yeah. This was difficult. That was, that was very difficult to say during the game today. That was, Like, you know, like as a native Washingtonian, um, you know, Joe Gibbs is the first family of football. Uh, I don't know that he's not the most, you know, important sporting figure that's ever come through this town. And then add on to the fact that like, he's just a wonderful person and everybody yeah. knows that, you know? And um, so I can't imagine. And I've also, you know, I've, I've stated this before. I've, you know, I've had some very lucky moments, I mean, very fortunate moments. And I'm grateful always to be, to have the proximity and the jobs that I've had with them. One of them was I got to host the Joe Gibbs show for a couple of years when he was here. Yeah. And, you know, that was the one time as a reporter slash fan where it was like almost surreal because I grew up with him, you know, being the most important figure to ever come through here. You know, I mean, I, I share the sentiments that everybody probably feels and said, like, I can't believe that happened to him twice. And I can't imagine the pain and especially two in a short period of time like that. And they're not old men. I was really, I feel terrible for him uh, with, with coach Rivera. You know, I, I like everybody, you know, expressed my condolences to him when I had the opportunity. I, I, you know, lost my father, you know, in the midst of a, you know, working in this industry where you kind of don't take time off at specific times of years to grieve properly. And um, so I understand that it's different, but I understand it. Like I, I found out my, about my father dying an hour and a half before I did a sports center, you know, but I did it. And, um, and I understand how uh, I can, you know, I'm just, you know, not that I'm trying to compare anything, but like, I, I get it. Like he, he can't just take time off even if he wanted to and he has to just come back here and put on a steady face and coach and it's not easy um you know the only other thing i would just say about it is like things have been tough here on him he's he's not just a head coach some of the stuff he's brought on himself he wants to run a front office and be a head coach and some of this stuff like you know you referenced the sale news and all the other headlines that are really out of his control that he's had to kind of answer for he's been far more you know of a representative for the team than he would have ever even probably thought he was signing up for, even though he was knew he was signing up for something that was different when he did it a few years ago. And, um, you know, it's it, like when they were one in four a few weeks ago um, and everybody was kind of coming at him actually for the first time, like really hard at him. And there was a lot there to criticize on the field, like time management decisions, the Wentz decision, maybe, you know, if you really want to go there at that point, some of the other stuff and they were just losing and then it's year three and they didn't have a very good record. Um, you know, it's natural to kind of come at them. And I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that, but the way some people came at them very personally, um, really kind of bothered me. Cause like, you know, not unlike Gibbs, I have a lot of reverence for who this person is as yeah. a man and as a leader. And I'll, I'll sit here and criticize, you know, football decisions or football stuff, but I know what he's about. And, um, and I just felt like a few weeks ago, like, while I think it's okay to criticize, you know, one in four is not, you know, worth praising. Um, I just felt like some of it was a little, I'm not going to be specific about it, but I just thought some of it from 
from what was being said from people who have prominent voices here was a little too personal for my taste. And this was yet another reminder this past week. This man lost his mother, had to, you know, just coach through it. And um, in the same week that he found out, you know, there's going to be probably a pretty major shakeup in the organization that he belongs to. And, you know, that's nothing new over three years for him. And I just think he deserves a little bit of everybody, you know, reminding themselves that like the wins and the losses are very, very, very important. Sometimes who represents you matters. And so I've, I've been very, you know, defensive of him. Uh, because I think he's been through a lot and it doesn't change the fact that I want them to win more or that I think they should have scored more points today or all sorts, you know, or all sorts of, or that I think they made a mistake with choices on the offensive line. Like it doesn't change any of that, but I just, I, I do feel like not that we should be kid gloves with him at all, but just be cognizant of the human being and what he's been for this organization and know that he's been through a lot. Yeah, no, I think that's well said. And, and I think, it's, it's hard because we do get to know these people. Like we get to know, you know, we knew, we know DeShazer ever. We, when he was here, we knew him pretty well. Right. And when some stuff happens like last year, it, you know, you, you know, the person, right. And so I think in, even in this case, you can see the pain, you talk to him after a press conference or whatever, and you can hear the pain or see it in the eyes, the, the, the tearing up when he's talking about his mom and trying to fight through it. I do know he's going out there this week to, you know, the burials out in California, the funerals out there. So he'll be out there for a couple of days. Um, but I just, I just can't imagine having to coach through all this stuff, all the emotion, the heavy toll the last few years. This is, he's paid very well to do all this stuff, but this to this stuff, like the other stuff is different than this one. Losing a parent is very, very difficult. And the Gibbs family losing a child is, is just horrendous. Um, so I think, you know, you just want to keep that in mind and, this is a tough stretch and an important stretch for this team too, that he's trying to bounce all that. And it's where I think one thing that helps is the defense. Jack Del Rio's done a good job. People don't like to hear it, but he's done a good job with the defense this year, especially lately. They're playing well. And, you huh. know, and they've done Nate a really Katcher's, good job. Yeah. Nate Catcher experienced special teams. The leading tackler hasn't played for them two weeks in right. a row. And, they and, didn't even have his backup today. Right. And they held Minnesota to their lowest point total of the right. year. Right. Exactly. So <laughs> they're playing well. And then, you know, now Scott Turner, I think like they're they I think there's still some growth that's taking place with them as a coordinator. I think that's probably a little bit of a harder job to um grow into, but you know, the other ones have experienced it. So anyway, I think it's a tough time for him and you could see it on the face. And I know like when he lost he lost his brother when he was in Carolina and it was right before the season. And it wasn't until after the season that he could really properly grieve and then it hit him like a ton of bricks. So it's just, you try to fight through this stuff and it's sometimes like, this is just real life. I think as you get older too, and then there's, you know, you understand, you have a different perspective on what's truly important. And I know I did a, I wrote a story on him earlier this summer about the cancer and the impact on him. And one of the things his wife told me is that he's got, he's getting better at not saying no to certain family things because you get to know like, Hey, you don't know when, and these, these things are important. So Anyway, that's a message for everybody. Um, Bram, let's end, let's end it there. And, you know, for everybody listening, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back on Tuesday night for a Therapy Tuesday session, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, live on YouTube. Bring your questions, bring your complaints, bring whatever you want to bring, and we'll discuss it. And I have a feeling I know some of the topics, probably some play calling, I'm sure, because we always get them. 
but we'll we'll go back and watch the game and see what we learned from watching that and we'll go from there so hang in there folks and we'll talk to you next time